Did you ever wake up and say I was born for more? Well, the answer is yes, you are. We live in a world where we're faced with everyday challenges. This podcast is created for you, the listener, to hear a story of captivation and motivation to bring you to your fullest potential. We welcome you to be a part of this transformation. I am your host, Melissa Alves, but my friends call me Meli with the power within where together we can discover your greatest purpose. Hello, I'd like to welcome our guest, Maya McNulty from New York, New York, author of two books, My Favorite Quotes for Entrepreneurs, and secondly, Fundraising Secrets. She is the expert of nonprofits, and today she's going to share with us her journey and how she can get you help in your journey. Welcome. Hey, Melissa. Thanks so much for having me here. I can't wait to share fundraising secrets with your audience and to the people in the world that needs this message on how to fundraise fast. So thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so glad. You need to share all those secrets with us. So tell us a little bit of how you got started. So, Melissa, I'm going to give you a little backstory. And uh, let's see, 10 years ago, I had owned Curves for Women. It was a franchise that was over 10,000 franchise globally. But prior to that, I had owned a dress shop. I actually studied fashion merchandising and design in college. And um, I got out of college. But here in upstate New York, where I live, uh, there isn't too many need for fun, funky, fashion-forward fashions, right? Trendy fashions, like as in New York City, where I went to college. And um, I came up here, I got a job, a job that was just a job, you know, working in insurance. And it was actually kind of depressing because people would come in. Yeah, it would be fun to if they bought a house, you know, and you sell them house uh, insurance, homeowners insurance, or renters insurance, or automobile insurance, or something like that. But when they had an accident, um, or a loss of some sort, which was pretty often, I realized that I did not really like insurance anymore. And actually, uh, was an overproducer, and I was making so much money in commission that my boss and, and the office actually didn't like me. I ended up getting fired uh, from that position, if you've ever heard of such a thing, uh, for being an overproducer. And in, after I got fired, I went on unemployment, and I wrote a business plan, and I opened the, the dress shop Village Boutique. After opening the Village Boutique, uh, six, seven years into it, uh, women were coming into my shop uh, wanting to uh, buy new clothes all the time. And so I asked the ladies, hey, guys, what are you doing? Ladies, what are you doing? And they said, oh, we go to Curves. Like, it's this big, you know, new, trendy thing. And I'm already in fashion, so I'm into trends, right? And uh, so I said, you know, tell me a little bit more about it. So I looked it up in Waco, Texas. Gary Haven was selling franchises. But the thing is, he had to buy two, three, or four of them. Well, I had a really successful dress shop at the time. And I said, you know what? Fine, I'll buy two. So I opened one of them in Schenectady, New York, and then in Albany, New York. But I, the caveat is, is that it was a 10-year contract, and it was I didn't do enough research and enough homework on it. And so what had happened was I ended up um, almost going bankrupt and losing everything. So seven years ago, I reinvented myself. I started the Up the Biz Lunch and Networking Group. I started Up the Biz Marketing and Advertising And I started also volunteering for nonprofits, starting to give back more. And giving back more, I found this new love and new passion. And honestly, because I had the franchise for 10 years, even though I studied marketing as well in college, I have a bachelor's degree in marketing, I was um, 
obsolete. My, my strengths, my gifts, my talents were obsolete because if you know anything about technology today or the internet, it changes really fast. And so I had to reinvent myself and start all over. I got a business coach. I got a mentor. Or I hired them. I actually paid for them. And I was able to publish two books within the last six months, both bestsellers on Amazon. The first one was My Favorite Quotes for Entrepreneurs, Your Interactive Guide to Inspiration and Empowerment. And the second one is Fundraising Secrets, The Underground Playbook for Nonprofits to be able to fundraise fast, grow sponsors, build a massive donor list, upsurge donations, and impact the world. Now, I didn't really uh, plan to write two books within six months and have this status, but I needed to position myself as an authority in this niche to be able to help maximize fundraising by thinking like an entrepreneur, because this is where my passion is. And when we think about our why and our why of why we are in business and why we do the things we do, I realized that how my story actually began 19 years ago when I was pregnant with my daughter. And I was typical going into your gynecologist and getting your exams. And that particular morning, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. My husband and I were there. And sorry if I lose it a little because it's so emotional. And uh, the doctor uh, said to me, you know, we have some problems and some complications. And, you know, first time, first trimester, you know, you're you're expecting these different complications, but you're never going to expect what I'm about to tell you. And um, my doctor said that how you uh, will have a lot of problems with this pregnancy, and I don't think you're capable of handling it. Here's a pamphlet. And if I were you, I'd probably abort the baby. Can you imagine being told to abort your child? No, not at all. So I'm going to catch my breath for a second. Yes. So I realized that how my time that I've spent donating to nonprofits and the struggles that I had with businesses, it was time that I actually moved something forward and create something that the world needed. And so what I did was I started volunteering my time to the Boys and Girls Club, Girls Inc., Leukemia Lymphoma Society, um, Special Olympics. And um, what I forgot to tell you is that how they said that she would have spinal bifida and her stomach walls would be on the outside and she would have down syndrome and all this stuff. So I wanted to find solutions and people and families, all they wanted was a heartbeat, right? They didn't even care if they had 10 fingers and 10 toes, right? I didn't, I just wanted her to have heartbeat. And so I figured that I'm going to put my heartbeat into every organization. And that's why I wrote fundraising secrets. Wow. And your daughter's how old now? So my daughter's 19 and she's beautiful. She's an all-star athlete, all-American at, at her high school, um, sectional champs, and also is studying medicine at the University of Colorado Boulder. So really excited about that. And Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, so it's a good thing I got second opinions and never listened to that doctor. And uh, guys, that's it too. No matter how, how expensive it is, it is always go out and um, get second opinions. And, you know, my insurance wasn't the best at the time. So I had to like pay out of pocket, use credit cards. Right. And so, and, and it was a time where uh, you would, it, d- it didn't matter the cost. Right. So, um, so that's one of the reasons why I said I want to help fundraise because I know how expensive it is uh, to get the treatments to that, that athlete to compete on the field, um, that gym for the kids to play after school that needs, you know, that playground, that safe place. 
So, um, so that's why I wrote fundraising secrets because I know it's going to help a lot of people. What is one of the fundraisers that you initiated first? Okay. So the very first one that we did was uh, boys and girls club in Schenectady, New York. We did a whole facade improvement in two weeks. We took the, the entire facade, which is in a depressed area, inner city children, and we gave them a, like, you know, if you think of like move that bus and extreme makeovers, that's exactly what we did. So they, they got a place that they can call home and be proud of. So that was um, a over a million dollar project. And, um, and then we also did the gym and, an, uh, and put computers in the teen center because teens are ones that will spend more time going on the streets as opposed to going to an activity. So we did that project and that was spearheaded by Darlene Zay and, um, Lori Michael Cerrone, and I was just the third person in that. And then the second one that I did was Leukemia Lymphoma Society, where we raised um, research grants for people that are su suffering from blood cancer. Uh, we did uh, 10 of us, we raised $620,000 in 10 weeks for that organization. And these are these are case studies that are in Fundraising Secrets, by the way. And um, and there's more, but that was $620,000 using the format, the foundation, the principles of fundraising secrets. So I know that this will help. And there's more case studies. I mean, I just recently did one May 10th of 2019 for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. We did a 12-week campaign. And in 12 weeks, we did $100,000 for them for their mission because anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, um, schizophrenia, those are all real issues and they're silent. But if I can make the words fundraising sexy and bring it to people and organizations, I think that people, it's a new breed. I'm creating this ecosystem of new people that can fundraise and champion the mission and feel proud. My tribe is fundpreneurs. They, they are fundraisers and entrepreneurs because I want to change the mission behind fundraising to maximize fundraising by thinking like an entrepreneur. And funny uh, thing is, Melissa, my friends started calling me the fundraising maverick. So, <laughs> yeah, so they're giving me a new identity. Fundraising <laughs> maverick. So, uh, so that's been... Um, a really uh, cool thing. And I think it's empowering as well. So I'm trying to make the word fundraising sexy and sexify it and, uh, and have people come to my events, you know, fundraising secrets mastery. I'm going to host my first event fundraising secrets mastery, September 13th and 14th in Schenectady, New York. It's a two day event. It's going to be innovative and cutting edge. It's uh, early bird access, September um, uh, 14th, uh, 13th and 14th, but August 14th, uh, which is coming up in a few weeks is the dead, the cutoff for uh, early bird, but they can go to fundraisingsecrets.org and get, the book. I'll send it to you for free and then keep going through the link and you'll get some other opportunities. A book a private call with me, fundraisingsecrets.org. Uh, so you can learn to maximize fundraising and also get a ticket to come to the live event. So you can go to fundraisingsecrets.org to get the tickets for the live event. Maya, what would you tell um, a person or an organization that an individual and, a, and, and an organization that is seeking more information about nonprofits. An organization that is seeking more information about nonprofits. Now, I don't uh, do 501c3s and I don't uh, do the format. I would definitely say see a lawyer, an accountant. Okay. There, um, I teach you specifically how to fundraise in your organization. That is the, my niche and that's where I double down and teach you exactly how to fundraise. But I don't give you um, structure as a post uh, is like accounting or business like it's 501c3 or grant right. writing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But 
you need fundraising in order. That's the backbone of your organization. And you also need volunteers and steering committees. And uh, I should teach you how to send volunteers through your value ladder so that they see the next opportunity. And that's something I actually created. And, um, and so you could visualize it. I give you a 21-day structure that's solid that you can use to help to grow your business. So as forming an organization, I don't do that. I teach an organization that's already been formed how to fundraise fast, how to be a better fundraiser, how to get a local community and a tribe to rally with you to champion your mission. That's my niche. That's where I go in. Um, but I'm not on the back end where I teach you uh, how to get grant writings because honestly, grant, it's it's out there but it's very hard to get and most nonprofits their paperwork is not par yes. so they actually don't qualify and they'll spend all this money on getting a grant writer and then they actually are disqualified because they don't have the right paperwork and the right policies and procedures in order to get them to where they need to be so i teach them without a feasibility study and without grant writing and without crowdfunding how to fundraise fast using the 23 secrets that i have in the book now and you do it in a short period of time. So it's really, you know, a 21 day structure sets you up. And so I teach you how to do that and get your organization to be even automated so that you are able to fundraise fast with, uh, with keeping your eye on the prize of being able to champion your mission, right? But you need money in, for an organization to work. That is one of the things that most people in organizations tell me, oh, I ran an organization for five years. Uh, and they make no money. Well, this is the thing, guys. Just like a business owner, if you are in business for five years and you haven't made any money, you actually suck at business. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that to be mean or, or to hurt your feelings, but you shouldn't be in that because you actually suck at it. You don't know how to, unless you get it's not working. <laughs> yeah, if it's not working for you, if you're not making money, you're not able to pay your bills, and you've been doing it month after month and year after year, you actually are not very good at it. So uh, that's just a hard, tough love lesson. Mm -hmm. um, but you can change that by hiring a mentor, by coming to events, by surrounding yourself with like-minded people, by getting the resources that you need. Fundraising Secrets Mastery, our third session, is going to be all about resources and tools that you need to build a profitable fundraiser, to build a profitable organization and event uh, to how to fundraise fast. I'm going to give you step-by-step step how to do it. And I'm going to give you a 21 day blueprint so that you can actually take us uh, and work it like step-by-step. Step. I do this with every organization. It's funny. It's like almost like pushing a boulder up this big mountain. And then, um, then you release, right. And it just keeps rolling down and it just, it's easier. Right. Um, <laughs> So the beginning part, like anything, like I'm launching my book right now, Fundraising Secrets, the pressure and the noise is so high and heavy. It's actually stressing me out and filling me with anxiety. Um, but I know that it's like, I got to break this elephant down by bite-sized pieces. And that's what Fundraising Secrets Mastery is going to do for your organization. It's going to break this elephant down into bite-sized pieces so that you're not going to vomit. You know, it's like taking a pie and shoving the whole thing in your mouth. You're going to vomit, right? I don't know if you could even eat that, it's even <laughs> but I'm going to show you how to eat this elephant one piece at a time. Right. right? I'm going to give you checklists. There are checklists inside the book. There's templates. Um, the checklist, you know, you think about a, a, a checklist, you think about a pilot, a pilot. It doesn't matter if he's on a layover or not. He always goes through each step of his checklist to make sure that plane is safe. 
right? Your organization should have a checklist to make sure that your organization is profitable, that it's on a mission, that it's sticking to its mission, that its employees are happy, the culture, the brand, it's all unified. And those are things that we teach in Fundraising Secrets Mastery, the live event. Now, it is my first one. But I've been doing events for the past, like forever. I've had fashion shows since I was 19 years old. I'm in my late 40s now. And I've been so over 20 some years of producing events. Um, people have come to my events. Um, and I've been recognized uh, for having amazing events. Um, Maya, what motivates you to do all of this? Well, I told you 19 years ago, the story started and I never really realized the why. So, um, and when people say that your why will make you cry, it certainly does. And so until you find that, like peeling back the onion and figuring it out, you're really never going to know, like, what is that one story? And my mother-in-law always would bring that story up and I would be like, oh my God, I don't even want to go there. It's such a dark place. Like, don't ever talk about it. Like, look at her. She's beautiful and strong. And and I just think of the why and I think, okay, I want to give her the world. And she's working for the world as well. Right now she's working at the hospital. We have a local hospital called Sunnyview Hospital, which is a rehabilitation center. But she's in the medical unit um, in the neuroscience unit working with patients that are having traumatic brain injury. And she's 19 years old. And Amazing. Like, How did you get this job? But you know what? My daughter showed up all her life. You have to show up, people. You have her opportunities and she's watching her mom do it. And she, she went out and got that job all by herself. She was in college during exam time, called where she volunteered and said, Hey, I'm going to be home for this period of time. Can I come to work? And they hired her through a phone interview because she had such a good reputation with them. She volunteered all through high school at Sunnyview Hospital. Um, and one of the doctors actually wrote her college essay recommendation for going into the neuroscience program at the University of Colorado Boulder. So um, she just knew what she wanted to do. And I think that how the stories that we were told and that I, I was part of, I think like that why, uh, it's not that I don't want to fail because I failed so many times. Remember I had a dress shop that I closed. I had two franchises that almost cost me my, my entire marriage and bankruptcy. And I lost the building to foreclosure. I'm not afraid of failing, but I am excited to grow out of my comfort zone. And and like right now, okay, success is me measured in so many different ways. I wrote two books, right? People will say, oh my God, that's an amazing thing that you've done. That's like, I wish I could do that. Or how do you write that book? Teach me how. And that's not where my success is. My success is going to be when I impact enough people that said you impacted me. Yes. Yeah. People are going to tell you that you impacted them. It's not you're going to tell them. That's how you know you made a difference. And so that's what drives me is people, when they tell me, you've helped me, you've helped me. And you, that gives you the fuel and the fire to go and do more. But when you're good at something, you don't tell yourself that. People will tell you. The world, the market will tell you that you are good at that. And that's how you know. That, that's what fuels you to keep going. I totally agree with you, Maya. Now, you mentioned failing. Um in two businesses and almost, uh, did you say almost going bankruptcy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> at, that, at that time in your life, how did you feel? <sighs> I was depressed and um, anxiety driven. So we have a summer home up in Sacandaga and uh, we've had for years over, I mean, my daughter's 19. We had it before we were even married, 1996. 
And um, what I did after I closed, because I didn't know how to stop the bleeding, right? Um, I just didn't know. I, I sold things just to pay the bills and pay the payroll, uh, end up working. Um, I was open from 545 in the morning to eight at night. I worked that for three years myself. Um, my vehicle, uh, bought brand new, but in 10 years, obviously, you know, they depleted and, and, uh, there's no value in a vehicle and, uh, it rusted and basically the bottom fell out. So I had no vehicle. My building got taken away back from the bank cause I couldn't afford to pay it anymore. Uh, I owed the franchise money because I still had two years left on my contract and it was $6,000 a month for franchise fee times two. So $12,000 just in franchise fee. Wow. I, it, the bill, like it just snowballed. And when it snowballs, it snowballs fast. And Very quickly. To, yes. And I didn't know how to stop the bleeding. So I had all this accumulated debt and all this debt was coming. And then also this building that was actually now from 2008, 2010, when it, when I stopped it, uh, just said, fine. They actually took it from me and short and sold it. Um, and someone bought it because it was a, my building was gorgeous. If you know anything about me, all, all of my stuff is quality. And so whoever bought that building, which I know was a guy I went to high school, uh, went to kindergarten with, his name is Guy Semitelli. He bought the building. And I was embarrassed because I went to kindergarten with him <laughs> and, um, and he bought it, but he had his eye on my building for a while. And I knew that because everybody it's in the papers, right? You, uh -huh. you names in the paper, it's filed, it's in the town, it's in the city. It's not pretty. And you got tenants. I had tenants that lived there upstairs. And I ha had to, like, you know, they got evicted from the bank. And and then, of course, they uh, told, like, I'm part of a chamber, uh, Schenectady Chamber. Now it's the Capital Region Chamber. And so they called up the president and said, how can you have someone like that representing businesses when she's fa a failure business and all kinds of things like that. So uh, it hasn't been easy. But in the past seven years, and that's why I wanted to write this book to be an authority. So, like, I don't want people to think, like, it's okay to fail guys it's okay to get out of your comfort zone and grow it, it's okay those stories are going to make you richer you're going to be able to be obsessive by leaning in and doing the thing but I went to a bankruptcy lawyer and they said to me what um what I could do right and now my daughter is eight at the time and um eight between eight and ten and I was like crap I can't, I don't want to move out of my school, uh, like our school district. I don't want to move out of my house. I have property um, and I have our summer home. I don't want to get rid of those things. So I basically doubled down. I shut everything off, everything, including my mind. And I went to, to the lake and I lived up at the lake for the summer. I wrote a business plan, uh, a one page business plan, but it was in detailed um, of, okay, this is the market. This is what I'm going to serve. This is how. And so most of my friends thought I retired and uh, because I kept this all in, I never shared it because I didn't want to look at the, like a failure to them and, and people too, because people like think I'm just so successful, right? They look in and they see this house or they see this, uh, this family or anything. They think you've got it all. And, um, and they don't know exactly what's going through your mind and what's happening. So I lost my vehicle cause it died. Uh, so I had no car. I had no business. I no building. I had a marriage that was failing because my husband and I fought about finances every day. Cause as you can tell, uh, I had to restructure our home, refinance our home, um, all these things. And it just was one thing after the next, after the next, but for one person, I swear to God, I don't know if I could, uh, I could have had a heart attack. I don't know. Um, but I took time off and I said, I'm going to come back stronger and I'm going to write this down. And what do I want to do? I studied marketing. I always loved marketing. 
what if I help nonprofits or businesses to market themselves? What can I give them? And so I started to uh, strategically write it out. And I literally went with my boots in the trenches and went to one business after the next and said, hey, guys, I'm starting over. This is what I'm doing. Um, and because I did have a good relationship with the people on Upper Union Street where my curbs was, um, they hired me. And three, four, five months, and then I started to get clients one after the next. And then I had enough clients that I started a networking group because I wanted to position myself as a speaker uh, to tell my story. And in doing so, they started to attend my Up the Biz Lunch and Networking group, over a thousand entrepreneurs in the past six years. And then um, I said, you know what? In 2014, I'm going to design an app. And I designed this app called Where to Shop and Dine. And it connected colleges and communities for places to shop and dine while in a college region. I got one college to sign on, Union College. Then U Albany signed on. Then Siena College. Then Skidmore. So I had 13 universities, 60 advertisers. And that's where it began. It began and that's when people started taking me seriously. I still have the app and, and partnered with the Regional Food Bank to help alleviate child hunger. And I talk about that and share that. And Christmas time, we um, we do donation drives for for my event where I donate everything to the the regional food bank to help alleviate child hunger. That is wonderful. Yeah. So the comeback, it's still I'm still coming back. Um, and you know, clearly all that debt is still like behind me, right? You got credit cards, at judgments, all these things, like. I don't tell you guys this to be scared. I don't tell because I'm embarrassed. I don't tell. I just say because I did it. I was there. But my why of having my daughter alive, that's so much better. Oh, yes. Of course it is. God is good. God is good. And God has a, God has a reason why your daughter is here. And she's going to be able to impact other lives, especially in her, in her field that she's going into. You're right. You are right. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for her. I'm excited. Um, you know, and I'm not going to say like we have a perfect relationship either. Uh, we don't. <laughs> you know, my daughter, we're, we're like she's an only child. We fight all the time. But now, you know, after her first year of college, I mean, when she was like 12 to 15, it was really tough. Um, she was an athlete. She was on top of the world, you know, scoring goals, playing soccer. We were traveling all over the place for soccer. She was on top of the world. Then she went to college and now she's coming back and realizing, oh, well, my mom's pretty decent, you know, and yeah, I heard friend, it's the circle <laughs> of life, you know, yeah, I heard her friends. I, uh-huh. I overheard them in the kitchen the other day. Cause uh, you know, they're all home from college and um, they always hang out at my house and they're like, well, people change, you know, cause she's just like, <laughs> And you're like, oh, your mom is so like this and that. And it's just because I want to set her up for success. And, um, and it's not, it's hard out there. And women too, you know, finally, like with USA winning the world championship. Yes, right? Yeah. And equal pay, like that uh-huh. is what we've been fighting for. And yes. to see like you were part of that blueprint. Yes is just like, yes, that's what we've been fighting for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, equal opportunity, right? Uh, so it's exciting to see that. And, um, and I think like with, I think millennials get a really bad rap um, because I see them growing and working and, and putting their gifts and talents and making the world the way they want to live it. And we are trying to give them a status quo of how they should live it. 
And that's not fair because technology has changed just like it did in the prohibition times in the 1920s or the 1800s, you know? Uh, so like it changed from, you know, each presidency to each child, to each home. And uh, it's good to see them leaving their blueprint uh, the way that they want to live their life. And I'm all for that. And I'm excited to see the equal pay for women in sports. Absolutely. So am I. So am I. Maya, I just want to say, uh, I'm so happy that you have decided to take on being the expert in this field, at this niche, and also for setting a great example for your daughter. This is this is so inspiring because, like you said, the next generation is what's it's what's going to leave that footprint for. Mm -hmm future. So I thank you again for, for setting that, that example, because you are not the only woman out there. And by you telling us this, this and sharing your story, I know that you're going to be impacting many. I appreciate that, Melissa. Thank you so much. And I really appreciated being on your podcast today. It was a lot of fun and it's really great to get to meet you and uh, know you a little better. I hope that people will come and attend Fundraising Secrets Mastery. If they can go to fundraisingsecrets.org and get a ticket, get the book for free. I'll even send it. All you have to do is pay shipping. I'd really appreciate that. I look forward to connecting with you guys, seeing at the events, seeing you out on social media and being a part of your ecosystem and um, sharing your message and your love and your special gift and talent to the world. Share with us where our listeners could, could log on to see you. Sure. So I'm on every social media site. Um, I do do a lot on Facebook, but follow me on Fundraising Secrets. If you go to uh, Facebook and go to Fundraising Secrets, you can also listen to my podcast, Fundraising Secrets. We're on all the RSS channels, all of the channels, like including um, iTunes, uh, Apple uh, iTunes, uh, Cloudbox, Stitcher, um, Podbean, you name it, we're on there. So just, you know, uh, search uh, Fundraising Secrets and you'll end up seeing it. I do have two of them out there. Um, one has uh, uh, 70 episodes and one has three. Just so your audience knows too, if they're not podcasting and getting their message out there, uh, podcasting is the new audio. That's how people are listening, just like we're doing the podcast right now, right? Uh, audio, people are going to listen as opposed to watching the video because they get so busy and I can be cooking dinner and listening to an audio. So audio is a really important step. And I actually talk about uh, how to develop a podcast in Fundraising Secrets because it's really important to um, have that as an organization. Excellent. Thanks again, Maya. Yes. And we look forward to hearing from you again with all your success. And we continue to um, let everybody know fundraisingsecrets.org. All the best to you. All right. Thanks. Catch you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Power Within, where your story can make an impact on another person's life. If you enjoyed what you heard, scroll down and leave me a raving review. Oh yeah, and don't forget, if you're not subscribed, hit the button and do it now so you won't miss out on our weekly episodes.